This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into Press Pass, brought to you by Bet Online. I'm Kayla Anderson, alongside my co-host Joshua Perry, who is back from the Buckeye Cruise. So I do want to really quickly talk about the Buckeye Cruise because this is something that's been going on for several years now and it raises an, a great amount of money for a really good cause. Yeah, so the uh, Buckeye Cruise for Cancer is a uh, five-day cruise uh, with proceeds to benefit the uh, the James Cancer Hospital at The Ohio State University. Um, this year, the Buckeye Cruise for Cancer raised $4.25 million, which is amazing. Wow. And I want to give some perspective. So it's it's basically a five-day tailgate at sea. And there are a number of components that go along with it. They're the organizers who are great folks um, based out of Dublin, Ohio. Then you have former athletes. They call them, you know, Buckeye legends or whatever the hell. Yep. So it'll be guys <laughs> like me, you know, Bobby Carpenter's on there. Kirk Herbstreet made an appearance this year. Uh, yeah. JT Barrett, Billy Price, like, you know, Rex Kern was on there, Ryan oh, wow. Miller, like you, I mean, they're different eras. There are people of different notoriety. You have basketball players, Katie Smith, uh, probably the most decorated collegiate basketball player, mm-hmm. men's or women's. Uh, she was on there. They get together. That's a big part of the fundraising effort because, you know, for some reason people want to be around us. Then you have the crew sponsors which are a bunch of companies that are associated with Ohio State Athletics and then a bunch of individuals, you know, typically folks that have some money to toss around and want to donate to a great cause. And then you just have your casual fan. But to give like some true perspective on what this event is really like, there's a a horse race, night at the races kind of thing, and they auction off jockeys. And so the Buckeye celebrities will be jockeys. And, you know, like, the horses will go for tens of thousands of dollars. Mine, for example, went for 12000 That wasn't the highest. Uh, the highest was actually $26,500 for one of these horses. But um, I what think there were 12 for? entries. It was uh, uh, Tyvis Powell's horse. And then Ezekiel Elliott had two people that wanted to buy his. So the two people went in together, bought his for twenty five grand a piece. And then Ezekiel <laughs> threw in another 25000 on top of that for a grand total of seventy five. Wow. So. In the 45 minutes it took to auction off the jockeys, the crews made $234,000. Wow. That's incredible. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. And so we did that for five days and it was really cool. Yeah. I, I just wanted you to share that experience because when I was in Columbus, um, 
you know, my sports director, Dom Tiberi, goes and he does a lot of the emceeing. And so we'd always hear about it. And then we get to see you guys post a lot of stuff about it. But just a really great cause. And I'm glad you had a really good time. And hope you, hopefully you got to enjoy yourself a little getting out of the rain and cold. Because that's what it's been like here uh, in Columbus Oof. and in Nashville. So um, I actually, speaking of the cold, I wanted to bring this up to you because I don't know if you guys have this in Columbus. But I just got done doing this thing called a float, and it's a, a way of meditation. And you go into this big, um, it's kind of like a pod, and it's filled with like the magnesium salt. So it helps like yes. your muscles and skin. And you sit there and float for 40 minutes. Yep. And, you know, you're floating because of all the salt and stuff. And a lot of athletes do it, a lot of people who just need meditation. And I did my first one just now. So it was awesome. So I was just going to say, if you ever want to do something in terms of meditation, I really recommend it. It was really cool. I've done that before numerous times. Oh, really? This is this is how crazy college football is. The Woody Hayes Athletic Center has uh, you had a couple one. of float pods. Yep. Of course you did. Yep. Of course you so did. So when I was in college, when I was playing, we only had one. I think they have multiple now, but... I would go and I would post up and I would float. And and did you, did you, um, was, so was that your first time? Yeah. Did you fall asleep? I didn't, th- no, I didn't this time, but I okay. feel like my second time I will. Yes. Cause a lot of people, your first time you're getting used to the floating. You don't know if you can really put your neck back and truly relax. Yes. You know, like it's, it's slightly uncomfortable. You're a little bit tense. The second time yeah. you go, you'll fall asleep and you'll feel like you were asleep for four hours. Are you serious? Yeah, 10 minutes feels like an hour. That's so, because whatever you're, like all the stuff you're describing now, I felt like that at least the first 25 minutes. And yeah, I was in there awesome. for 40 minutes, but yeah, I started like, to loosen up a little. Yeah. Once once you once you relax and you get used to it, like, because I was tense the first time I did it too, but yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't drown. You're not going to roll over. Nothing bad's no. going to happen to you. You're just, you're really going to be like, when they say meditation and relaxation, like they mean meditation and relaxation. Yep. Yeah, no, I thought that was cool. Of course you would do it. I don't know why I was even saying, did have you done it? I mean, come on now, Kayla. Um, something else that you have done and you have gone through is the NFL Combine. And guess what? It has arrived. We are um, officially in the week of the NFL Combine up in Indianapolis, Indiana. I want to get started with just, you know, your week at the Combine, the experiences you went through uh, with some of the other guys. Yeah, I thought it was a a really unique experience. Um, There were some really fun times. I got to meet a ton of uh, the players that I would eventually play with and against, which was um, pretty cool. There are also a lot of sponsors, businesses, etc. that are in Indianapolis during the week. So a lot of sports agents will be out there making introductions. Um, When I was in the NFL, I was an Adidas athlete. That's where I first met the folks from Adidas, got to try on some of their stuff and really schmooze with them, which was a great experience. And I know for a lot of guys, especially um, some of the guys that are going to be first and second round picks, a lot of those introductions are very important for them to building their brand off the field. But the the main reason why you're there is it's a job interview. And uh, you hear stories, quarterbacks don't go there and throw a lot. Uh, Chase Young said he's not doing the on-field workout. And the reality of that situation is the on-field workout is really checking a lot of boxes. You know, if you're mm-hmm. a, a four six forty guy, you know, you run a four or five, that's great. You run a four six, that's fine. You know, if you're a little bit slower, whatever, but if you're a lot slower, then it's a question mark, right? Mm-hmm. So 
as long as you run what they expect you to run, as long as you jump what they expect you to jump, as long as you move the way they expect you to move during position drills, you're checking boxes because they've seen the tape. They know Chase Young is an elite player. Now the questions they're going to ask him is Chase, what really happened uh, when you got suspended for taking that loan or Chase, why do you have a Bob Marley tattoo on your leg? Or, you know, what's your family situation like? Is, or do you have any crazy girlfriends we have to worry about? Like those are mm-hmm. the types of things that are really important. And then of course, they're going to put them on the board and say, Hey, you know, uh, this is your tape. Show me why you did this. Why would you do that? If you could do something differently, what would it be? Hey, if the tight end blocks like this, instead of like that, you know, what's your answer? Yeah. You know, draw us what this, what your defense would look like to this offensive set type situation. They want to see if you're truly a football guy. And then, and then and for- then. All the folks who have questions, which is just about everybody, the medical evaluation, which was hell. And I think uh, I told the story about that where I was up yeah. till, you know, one, two in the morning at the hospital getting my knee um, examined because I have a, a space that did not fill in with bone in the middle of my knee. And they wanted to make sure that there was nothing really wrong with me and wasted a ton of my time. But, but uh, one of the most important weeks for a lot of players, and you'll see, I think it's like 300 guys get invited. Um, there's yeah. 250 something guys that will get drafted, uh, which means that there are a bunch of guys who are going to be there that won't be drafted. There are also a number of guys who didn't get an invite that will end up being drafted as well, which is unique. Yeah. And what people don't tend to realize is like they, the big name guys are going to be there. People want to interview them. They want to get questions answered. But um, there are some prospects who are uh, late round prospects that teams feel like they have enough information on. They feel like they know enough that they don't want to bring them to the combine. Then there are going to be some guys that are fringe late round picks to priority undrafted free agent guys that teams have questions about. Like, are they truly a late round pick or are they actually a free agent type of player? And so they'll bring them to the combine to get that question answered. And so I know for a lot of guys that are kind of on the back end of that combine invitee list. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a crucial make or break, very anxious, nerve wracking type of situation uh, because these are the impressions that will either cement them as a guy who gets a, you know, they get drafted. So that means they get a little bit of a signing bonus and maybe a slight bit more security or they're an undrafted free agent, which means less signing bonus money and a lot more fighting and clawing in training camp. I, you mentioned like the nerves and, some people, I think, tend to get more nervous about things like this um, with so much on the line than other people do. Or some people can, you know, kind of get rid of those nerves in the first couple of hours or or what have you. But how would you describe the nerves of, of the athletes around you uh, during this week? Because I think you see it a lot, too, on the field in some of their drills. Yeah, it's just high anxiety. And, and the hardest thing is, like, you'll train for it. And that's why guys go away. They go to Florida, they go to Texas, they go to California, they go to Arizona to train. And that is to make sure that you're prepared. But mm-hmm. when you get in the moment, it's anxiety because now you're around people you don't know, you know, that's players and that's NFL personnel. Now you're in, you're running on a track that you're not familiar with. Now you're lifting on a bench you've never lifted on before. You know, the the, the hotel where they do the meetings was the old train station or something. And so like some of the rooms are converted train cars and it's just like a weird situation. Ah. And then between the medical evaluation and the 4 a.m. piss test, um, you don't get a ton of sleep. 
and it is all meant to make you really uncomfortable. So as much yeah. as you prepare, they, these folks want to see you under the most stress possible so they can see how you respond to that. Um, wow. And just like, I mean, and, and that's exactly what they get. And you said it like, you can look at faces, you can look at the way some of these guys perform in drills. And even as comfortable as they might look, you can tell there's just a little bit of nervousness mm-hmm. that has overcome their bodies and they have to fight through that. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the combine and more of the numbers in just a minute, but we're going to take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all things sports. March Madness, the Masters, Major League Baseball opening day right around the corner, you guys. Bet Online has you covered for all your latest news scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. The best part, when you sign up, you receive 50% off for your welcome bonus. The, there's lots of stuff to get to, uh, but you can head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to revive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Hey, we all signed up here at Press Pass. It's super easy, and if you're already into betting, fantastic way to support the podcast. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. So the measurements, and we've spoke about this before, you you talked about preparing for the 40 because so many things get, you know, talked about going into this week. And one of those main things is the 40 and how fast you run it. And sometimes I think it's overhyped in some ways, but when you look at it, yeah. I mean, do you think overall it's, it's kind of, there's too much hype put on the 40. I mean, I know it's, it's intriguing to watch and if somebody gets a fast time, we're all in awe, but is it really that important? Yeah. I mean, you're going to see it. There's going to be a, a skill position, specifically a skill position player this year that runs a really, really fast 40 and they'll be overdrafted because of it. And and the one thing that I would say for, and, and teams do this, I don't understand how it happens. They pay their folks a lot of money to draft players, but like you see a guy run a fast 40, then the first thing I would do is go back and look at the tape and say, why didn't we know he was this fast? Because there's something that he was doing in game that was making him not play up to the speed that he is. Mm-hmm. I think it's a bunch of BS to be quite honest. Uh, I think functional movement's a lot more important. Like I was one of the, I think I had like the fifth fastest 40 for inside linebackers my year at the combine. Okay. But I'm a a 6'4", as football people would say, I'm 6'4", long legs, high ass kind of guy. So (laughs) no, seriously. And and so that means it's it's a little bit harder for me to move side to side because a, a short lever moves quicker than a long lever. And so like as fast as I could run in a straight line, that's great. That helped me on special teams. Like I was really good covering kicks as a rookie, but that didn't make me any faster as a box linebacker because I have long legs. And so there, there's a there's a certain point to where it's like, great, you have fast guys, and this is a, a an NFL predicated upon speed, as we saw this year's Super Bowl. You know, Kansas City's offense was speed all over the place. But to a certain point, it's like you got to have football players out there who can move functionally and who are instinctive and. Like if if I know where the ball is going before it's snapped and I can beat somebody who's faster than me to the ball, then I'm a better football player, period. Yeah. And that's what you got to bank on when you're drafting a player. 
yeah, I I agree with you on that. And I think it's it's fun to watch sometimes, but when it comes down to it, I think the overall um, emphasis that we put on it is probably not needed. And and I that's why I wanted to ask you about this next subject because measurements were were taken this morning at the combine, and there's being a lot made of this Joe Burrow potential number one overall pick. He had his hand uh, measurements, and he came in at nine inches. Alabama's Tua Tungvaloa and Oregon's Justin Herbert measured with 10-inch hands. The uh, average, I guess, I guess 35 quarterbacks drafted in the first round since 2008, the average hand size has been nine and seven-tenths of inches. So my question to you is, is this a really big deal? Because I feel like people are making this to be. So here's the deal. I was going to make a joke. I know you were. (laughs) Every <laughs> I got a lot of jokes for this one. Every everybody was wondering why Joe Burrow couldn't beat out JT Barrett and Dwayne Haskins, and I guess his hands were just too small. I have no idea, but so like I think it, there's there's some validity to this. Yeah, you know, like the NFL football is fatter than the college ball. True. When when the ball is wet and when the ball is cold, it's definitely harder to grip. Mm-hmm. I also think that it's it's kind of stupid to base somebody's whole draft stock off of their hand size. And, I, you know, like for some positions, for example, like if I'm drafting offensive line, defensive line linebackers, I want big, thick, meaty hand guys. You sure. know, like I was, I'm, I got, I have paws, I have big hands. Yeah. And you want a big, heavy-handed guy. As a quarterback, you probably want a guy with larger hands so he can grasp the ball. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that, the quarterback can't choke up on the ball, if that makes sense. You know, grip it a little bit higher and still spin it really well. It doesn't mean that Teddy Bridgewater can't go out there and wear two gloves, a glove on his throwing hand, and be very effective doing that. So, I, you know, I, I think it's one of those things that we like to all talk about. Oh, my gosh, like, he's going to have one of the smallest hands since I've ever I know. Uh, yeah. But, like, does it, does it actually matter, though? Right. Well, when when it comes down to it, I just feel like it's so funny because, you know, this is the first day of them getting in there and obviously they're doing all. Is that what you do on the first day on Mondays? The measurements of everything like your height, weight, height, weight. They do hand size, arm length. I think that might be the only measurements. Okay. So what is what's like what's like the average for like a linebacker for hands? Yeah, it's a great question. I would say probably like a nine and a half. Okay. Okay. Let me let me find out because I I can get you all my measurements. I'm a I'm a bigger dude compared to most linebackers. So well, yeah, yeah. All my measurements were like more a inflated, bit over yeah. at, or over the average or whatever. Over the average compared to the rest of the cats. I had ten and a quarter on the hand size. My arm oh, length okay. was thirty three and a quarter. So my arms are super long too. Yeah. Compared to most of the backers there. I was two hundred and fifty-four pounds. That was way above average. And six four, most of the guys are probably like six one. Yep. So you know who I'd love to to know the the width of their their what is it called? Your is it just your hand your hands, the width of your hands? Or not the hands, the what'd you just say? The, the length of the arm length. Thank you. Just yeah, the arm length is Joey Bosa. Here, I can find that for you. Cause you know he just like that was one thing. It was always amazing watching him in college. He had like just the longest reach, you know? Yeah. And like that is a uh, like, okay, so let's get into this conversation. So quarterbacks, they talk about hand size. I don't know Mm -hmm. if it's necessarily a deal breaker. If I am drafting a defensive lineman, it's a deal breaker to me. You can't have short arms. No. 
Yeah, but so, you got to have those, like, the long reach. Exactly. And it's the same thing with offensive linemen, too. And the thing that yes. you get into with offensive linemen is, like, centers and guards, you get into barrel chest short arm territory, which is bad because then defenders can keep them off of their body. Because if you have if you have long arms and the guy trying to block you has a, a barrel chest and then his arms are short too, there's not a chance he can get you. He can't get his hands on you. Yep. And so like that's where the measurements really do come into hand. Joey was a thirty-three and three eighths arm length guy. And you said you were thirty thirty-three and a quarter. Oh. Okay. So let I mean, me see a... Joey but be- between Joey and Nick. Nick. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna see if Nick what Nick's was then. Because I'm curious to see what the breakdown is for those guys. Yeah, because they're pretty much like, let's be honest, those guys are, are pretty similar. They are <laughs> In every... Nick about two inches shorter, but oh, his arms are just okay. about the same length though. He had okay. a uh thirty-three inch arm length, so three eighths of a uh an inch shorter. Nick's hand size was about 10 and three-fourths, so he's got big old hands. Yeah. And then Joey was a 10 and a quarter, so we got about yeah. the same arm and the same uh, uh, hand length. Hand, yep. Interesting. That's interesting. No, that really is. I I usually don't get too much into like the, the metrics of things and the measurements, but I do think it's a little bit interesting in terms of the combine, you know, because that's what it's all about. You're just breaking down all this stuff. Uh, let's segue a little out of the combine and into another topic that kind of popped up early this week. And the only reason I bring this up is because of how long this guy has been at this program and for the fact that we spoke about this subject about two weeks ago and, and the importance of having a solid strength and conditioning coach. So Scott Cochran, who has been at Alabama as the head strength and conditioning coach under Nick Saban since uh, 2007 when he took the job. Supposedly, the reports are out that he is leaving for Georgia, not to be the strength and conditioning coach, but to take on a special teams coaching position. Noted that he is the country's highest paid strength coach, one of them at least. Really interesting, interesting this change. First off, it's, it's I think, rare, uh, especially at probably his stage in his career for a coach who is one of the premier coaches in his role as a strength coach to want to all of a sudden make a career pivot to being an on-field coach. Not necessarily unprecedented, but I just think the timing's kind of wild. Going from the highest, one of the highest paid strength coaches to now being a special teams coach, that's mm-hmm. a pay cut for sure. And, yeah. you know, the leaving Georgia or the leaving Alabama to go to Georgia thing is, is very curious as well. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there. Obviously, some motivation to switch jobs, but I feel like there's definitely more to that story. Yeah, I mean, here's my take on it. You know, you've been with you've been with somebody since 2007. You've been with the, you know, one of the best coaches in college football has won championships. And there's one part where, where it makes you think, okay, maybe he just wants change and everybody you know has the right to want change in life. Right. But at, at the other end of it to change over to something completely different is, is interesting at this point of his career, I guess, because if you were going to do it, you know, you would have thought that it maybe would have happened a little bit ago. But it brings me to the point where yeah. maybe he kind of sees the writing on the wall in terms of what's about to start to change at Alabama, which I don't think Nick Saban is too far from retiring. 
I just said it. Yeah, but I I mean, I guess my I guess my assumption would be that the next person who would take that job would probably come mm-hmm. from within the organization, within the program, mm-hmm. and they would keep Cochran on as strength coach. So, and this is all me making assumptions. So let's not try to act like, you know, I'm the authority on what's going on or whatever situation could be. But I just, like the whole thing seems very, very curious to me. Well, I just, the other thing though about Alabama, the weird thing about Alabama though is because Nick Saban, you know, has won so much, the amount of guys that come in, a lot of his guys leave. So it's like he doesn't really have a lot of guys there that have been there for a long time because that's they a great come point. in as a, you get what I'm saying? They come in as assistants, they get a couple years experience. Yeah. I mean, he even has interns for God's sakes that are coaches, yeah. Yeah. you know, like Butch Jones has been there. I think, isn't there another guy there that's like an intern now? There's yeah. another guy. There is. No, I mean, he, he is absolutely the king of bringing in, you know, like somebody's wayward coach and, and yeah. bringing them back to life. I mean, what's your take? What do you think it's all about? You think it's more than... It's got to be. I, I I can't take this as um, whatever's on the surface. I, I think there there might be... He's either, like you said, he sees the writing on the wall or Nick might have encouraged him and said, hey, listen, if you want to be an on-field coach, you better go somewhere else because you're not doing it here. And which that is, is weird, something... Which is a little weird. I mean, because considering the fact that Nick's given other people opportunity, and I did read that Cochran and um, Coach Kirby Smart were close because obviously they worked together when Kirby was under um, Saban at Alabama. But uh, I guess maybe it is just a coach giving you a chance and Saban wasn't going to do it. And I could see Saban being like that. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. There's a backstory to this, though, for sure. Well, we'll be we'll be investigating this uh, as as things unfold because, like I said, this is this is a source saying this, so it's not 100 percent confirmed right now when we're recording this podcast. Obviously, well, that does it for this episode of Press Pass. We loved having Joshua back from the cruise. We're we're glad you are back. Your girl, Whitney though, up, up there in Ohio, she uh, did a great job. She uh, is, she's up there in Columbus, by the way, she works for NBC four up there. And I told her to get you on the show. Yeah. I told her to get you on the show sometime up there because she's really great. And um, we've been friends for a few years now and I was so thrilled for her when she got that job up there this year. She's a great addition. We might have to do this as a, um, we might have to do this as a uh, a three-person format one of these times. Yeah, I told her during the season to come back that um I was going to have her come back on here so we could all oh, you great. know get on here. Yeah, so I'm definitely going to have us all back on here together cuz she was great on here. So for you though, we mentioned about the Twitter possibility of people reaching out to you on Twitter and I don't know how we were going to do this, but maybe bringing up some things that people want to talk about or asking you something and then you would answer it on the podcast. So we'll figure it out here so that we can get it out there on Twitter and you can ask Joshua a question and we'll address it here on um, Press Pass. Because I, I want to say it can just be about anything football yeah. related. Well, I mean, it could be about anything. just in Or just anything. I mean, yeah. You, know, you could talk about my, my GQ style. 
You know, See? we can talk about anything if we want. Taylor suits, where how where he gets his suits made, you know. Exactly. All that stuff. <laughs> so it is, though, really easy, you guys, to, to subscribe if you haven't yet already. Um, just go to iTunes and hit that subscribe button. Give us a rate and review. We always love that as well. And then you can go follow us. We always uh, announce when our episodes come out that are, it's usually Tuesday, but you can go to Press Pass Pod on Instagram. Follow us there. Uh, I am at Kayla Anderson TV on Twitter and Instagram. And Joshua, uh, what is your handle for all those peeps out there? At RIP underscore J-E-P. You know, come holler at your boy. My mentions are open. It's a little bit dry right now. I think everybody's kind of posted up for the end of February and just waiting for spring ball to come around, which is fine, but I'm always open for questions. There we go. And that's maybe we'll get this started now if we address this at the end of our podcast every week. So we'll get the questions flowing for Joshua. We'll get that out there. Okay. Well, thanks you guys for tuning in and uh, we'll be back here same place, same time next week. Take care. For the ones who know that a little late, is always too late. And that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. And our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com/keepstock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done.